Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Today's lesson is um, called, What is Man? That thou art mindful of. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I will be addressing this topic from three angles, basically. One, man as the son, as a child of God, created in his image and his likeness. Two, as a multifaceted being. And three, as a storyteller. Now, man is indeed a complex creature. And uh, we've been potentially known to be both saint and sinner, if I may use a traditional term. I think the point is clear, though. (laughs) this is a second series, second lesson in a series that I've started uh, having to do with some fundamental theological questions that are at the center of all religions and all spiritual paths. Last time I mentioned that I would be presenting these lessons from the perspective of unity metaphysics. Now, in case you don't know, and some of you who are new don't know, unity has no dogma. Now, what is dogma? Well, I came up with a definition. I'm sure the dictionary says something, but this is the one that I came up with. Dogma is uh, rigid rules that don't make any sense, but you have to follow anyway. Okay? That is dogma. (laughs) Okay, so dogma, we don't have dogma in, in unity, but we do have a system of metaphysics. We have an entire book. Metaphysics. (laughs) Metaphysics. <laughs> anyway, um, so as a philosophy graduate, I, this is very, very nice for me because I, I, I particularly like that. Uh, so let, what is metaphysics, Physics, you might ask? Well, the definition of metaphysics is a traditional branch of philosophy concerned with explaining the fundamental nature of being and the world that encompasses it. Although the term is not easily defined, you think, (laughs) traditionally, metaphysics attempts to answer two basic questions in the broadest possible terms. Number one, what is ultimately there? And two, what is it like? In other words, the question is, what is the nature of life? Have you ever thought about that? You ever look around, it's like, what in the world is going on seriously? What is this stuff? What am I and stuff? So that's what this whole series is all about. Anyway, um, the first lesson was entitled, What is God? Because naturally, that's a place to start. Now, uh, that's a very fundamental question. Once you get past that question, you know, uh, that, that there's a God in the first place. Now, we at Unity do believe, obviously, in a God. But, and this is a big but, and I'm not talking pant size, okay? But it is a big but. <laughs> uh, we teach that what we've learned up to this point has been largely upside down, backwards, inconsistent, whatever you want to call it, basically misconstrued. That is what we teach. And as a result of that, the West, and in particular Judeo-Christian thought, has depicted a God that is angry, judgmental, and in need of retribution. 
the central theme of traditional Christianity, as you know, is that a price had to be paid for the error of man's ways. And because of that error, we were separated from God. But in unity, and in some theology, the question is raised, but how is such a thing possible to be separated from God if God is everywhere? So that's part of the first lesson. You're going to have to go back and listen to that one. Now, if you add an angry and judgmental God, and think about this, an angry and judgmental God to a something, this God, that is all-powerful, everywhere present, knows everything, you get a kind of a scary situation. I don't know about you, but that's not exactly comforting, you know. He's sitting there going like, yeah, yeah I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> so, um, and on top of that, you know, it's recorded in, in the Bible that, that, that God has been known to wipe out entire civilizations. Man, women, children. Gosh. So, it's no wonder that tradition teaches this fear of God. Have you ever wondered about it? The fear of God is like, why would we want to be afraid of God? What kind of sense does that make? Your loving father, like, gosh. Anyway, fortunately for us in unity, somewhere along the way, it says that God is unconditional love as well. And we go, whoa. Now, there is a fountain in the middle of a desert. There is a place of refuge that we at unity get a hold of and say, I'm going to work with this idea. I like it, so I'm going to go with that. Because, see, we're a positive center for spiritual living, and we do not fertilize weeds. And that whole conversation is essentially fertilizing weeds. We don't do that. I guess we're trying to stop this onslaught of atheism. Have you noticed how many more, more and more atheists are like Bill Maher? I mean, I love to watch Bill Maher, but he's Mr. Atheist. And, you know, what's happening is this, is... Um, from that point of view, they've got basically two options. That's what they see. They see the anthropomorphic God that I just spoke of, option one. Option two, no God. <laughs> Why, like, we're unity going like, uh, actually, I think we have another option for this. So that's what we kind of try to work with. Let me share something with you I heard once, and um, I shared it with somebody one time. They kind of liked it. So let me share it with you. Because next time you talk to somebody who doesn't believe in God, you might want to tell them the same thing. And, and it is this. Tell them, the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. And as, and as a church-going person, that'll probably throw them for a loop. Say, what are you talking about? Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is unity is trying to change our understanding of what God is. Because the story that we are being told from tradition is a story that was told to a consciousness. And I think maybe you've been in unity long enough to understand it, that our consciousness, individually as well as as a race, is ever-evolving. And so the story that was told to that consciousness no longer applies to this consciousness. Now, in my school analogy, I say... That, that consciousness was like, like a consciousness of a first grader where you can tell them a story of a, of, a, of a tooth fairy or something and they basically accept. But when you get older, that, that your consciousness changes and that, um, that story doesn't make any sense anymore. Now, that is not a, uh, in any way trying to put them down because them are really us because there was a time where we were 
spiritual first graders as well. We all go through the natural evolution. Now, it is going to be difficult. It is difficult to change our understanding of what God is from this being. So, unity teaches that God is principle. Now, you're like, principle? What does that mean? Well, again, I came up with a little definition type of a thing. Let me, let me try this and see if it works for you. God is the creative, intelligent energy that permeates and is the source of everything. Now, it sounds a little vague, yes, a little hard to grasp, yes, but look at it this way. We, can't even, we don't even know what a mind, have you thought about it? We don't even know what a mind is, let alone to try to describe something like God. It's like, uh, that's difficult. So let me recap the, the God first lesson theme by saying this. I didn't want to leave you with that kind of a frustrated feeling that like, well, gosh, I don't, even, I don't know what it is because it's so big. I don't know. I cannot describe it. So here's the thing. Even though we cannot fully grasp all of God, we can grasp parts of it. And it, this is key to the whole thing. This is extremely important. And this is, let me show you something. I told my, my, do, my, my daughter likes the term grasshopper. Remember the show from uh, uh, Kung Fu? You know, the old days? Ah, oh, grasshopper. You know, so she says, oh, grasshopper. So if you're a grasshopper and you, are, and you like to ask questions, then you say, how is it possible to grasp part of God? How does this work? And this is, this is the way it works. God is like a carrot cake. Pretty good, right? What, what am I, Forrest Gump now? Life's a box of chocolates. <laughs> Life's a carrot cake. Now, listen, I love, I love carrot cake. Love carrot cake. But you know what? I can't eat an entire cake. I can't do it. But this is the beauty. You don't need to eat the entire cake to fully appreciate carrot cake. Am I right? You can have a little slice of carrot cake, and in that slice of carrot cake, you have grasped the essence of carrot cake. And that is how it is. This is start, I'm, I'm trying to make sense to myself here, okay? When I'm working this stuff out, it's like, I've got to make sense of this too. I know you're trying to make sense out of life. I am too. So this is what makes sense for me. So what is the slice of carrot cake in regards to God and life? Well, it is that these moments, these small little moments, beautiful moments like sharing today, you know, uh, that you share uh, a smile or a compassion or, or, or something like that, a beautiful song, a beautiful sunset, anything that you would ascribe to God, that is a slice of carrot cake of God. Accept it as it is and say, this is beautiful stuff. You see, it's very simple. So a piece of the carrot cake tells you all you need to know. Now, you, maybe you're thinking, and I think you are because you're shaking your heads, this makes sense in a very freaky kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it kind of does. It's scary. You know, I'm starting to scare myself sometimes. 
So the same thing holds true for life. And this is what we call practical Christianity. This is trying to make sense of it. Because i got to thank Nancy for that. Because we talk, you know, sometimes during the week and about what we're doing here and this, that, and the other. And, you know, and I'm a fairly new speaker at Unity. And, 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 and as a philosophy major, sometimes I get really caught up in the, in the theory of things, you know. And, and that's cool because that's what I do. But she always reminds me, but you got to bring it back. Somehow you got to bring it back, make it personal, you know, put the practical end of it that we say practical Christianity is. Okay, so let me move on to another phase of this. Two weeks ago, Dr. Cook was here, and he mentioned something, but he kind of mentioned it in passing, and I'm not sure you kind of grasped it because maybe you don't even know what it was, but I, I caught it because I'm, I'm fairly familiar with it. He used the term fractals, fractal geometry. Are you familiar with it? Who is? Okay, a few people are. Fractal geometry. And that, do you know what a fractal is? I mean, like I said, I don't claim to know what a fractal is. But basically, the definition is a fractal is a mathematical set that typically displays self-similar patterns. In English, it means that when you break down something big, it is composed of a bunch of little things that are identical to the big thing. I say, well, that's interesting. Now, where have we heard that before? Well, there's a thing that we, that, that's called as above, so below. I think pretty much everybody has heard that one. And there's another one that says, you are created in the image and likeness of God. Ooh. So, the answer of the question is, what is the nature of man is, man is a fractal of God. Or a piece of carrot cake, if you like. Either one. <laughs> you know? So, here, here, here's the thing. Somehow, the nature of man and the nature of God are the same thing. Somehow. Okay. This is why I'm still talking about God, because the, obviously the first lesson was, what is God? And this was, what is man? Well, what, what did Jesus say? <laughs> the Father and I are one. So we're basically talking about the same thing in some ways. So it's good to uh, intermix them. So what is the nature of God? The nature of God is spirit, the Bible tells us. And it also says, I hadn't written that one now, but it's remembered it. Uh, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So God is spirit, God is perfect, and God is eternal because we've kind of taken that as a given. So God is spirit, God is uh, perfect, and God is eternal, and we are like God. So what does that make us? I mean, I'm not really that sharp of a guy, but I think I can, the two things kind of like, they're pretty much, you know, explain themselves. So the question is, am I trying to say that we are God? No. Because, um, and I'm glad Laura's here. Laura, she's my paradox girl. Verdad, Laura? <laughs> so are we God or are we not God? Thank you. The answer is yes. Have you ever noticed that? I've, I've come up with a whole series of things. Is it this way or is it that way? And the answer is always yes. <laughs> so yes, we are both God. And yes, no, we are not God. But yes, we are God-like. So this brings me to the second part of it. Man as a multifaceted being. 
So we're God-like. And so what is God-like? Well, we defined that last time. God defines my, uh, God as mind. Okay, first of all, uh, tradition says trinity. And since Christy's here, uh, she's missed tradition. Well, not really, but anyway. <laughs> trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Okay, in unity we say, yes, that's true. But we say mind, the concept of mind is Father, idea the, idea, the concept of idea is son, and expression is the Holy Spirit, God in motion, if you will. So you have mind, idea, and expression. But they're not different. I mean, they're, they are different, but they're not separate. Just like you. We, we have a mind, we have ideas, and we seek to express ideas. But I'm not separate in, in that sense. But there are three distinct parts, if you will, somehow. So again, we're back to these paradoxes things. So, but it's very interesting stuff. So we are spirit, we are soul, we are body. And then it says, this is where we have an interesting synthesis with God because man is the expressive nature of God. The expressive nature of God. If we put it another way, man is the hands of God. The hands. From the beginning of time, man has wondered about our purpose. And I just told you it's pretty simple. Our, purposely, our purpose is to accurately express God through ourselves. Metaphorically, to shine the light of God onto this otherwise dark world. If we were in sales, we could say that we are God's sales reps and that the earth is our territory. That's what man is. Man is God's sales rep and earth is our territory. That's where we're supposed to be. And this is interesting because, uh, and this was last night. Do you all get the Unity magazine? I was looking at it yesterday. I just got it. Um, and in that, uh, well, what? Whose side, oh, that uh, ask, ask Dr. Tom or whatever, that reverend who speaks in there. He, he says, there was this comment here in big le- poll letters, so I said, I guess I'm supposed to read it. It says, we cannot wait for the gods of human religion to supernaturally save us, to save us. The responsibility to put all the, those spiritual principles into action is ours. The time is now. So there it is again. We are the sales rep, and it is our responsibility. That is our purpose. In case you ever, we've always wondered, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to be God's representatives in this world of form. This brings us me to part three of this lesson, and as man as the storyteller. Man has always had this fascination. Man has always questioned What is God? What is the universe? What is man? What is all of this? And because of that, man has always tried to tell stories. If you look at these old, old, old caves, primitive man was, you know, noodling on on the cave walls and putting it down about, you know, we went to the hunt today and all this stuff. They were telling stories. They were stellatory. So why do we do this? And I think unity would go along with this. This is what I think, and I think unity believes the same thing, is that We believe that we intuitively know 
we intuitively know there's something bigger is going on. There's more to this than what meets the eye. One time I was playing golf with my nephew, and some ducks passed by overhead. And I'm looking, and I'm going like, how do they know how to get over there to Mexico from Canada? How do they know this stuff? That's called intuition. I said, well, ducks have intuition. I must have intuition too. And so what I'm saying is that this is the intuition that we have. We have this intuitive knowledge that there is something going on here. So we're storytellers. But this is what I, once we started to write down these stories, once we learned how to write, then we started writing down these books. And we have old books. We have the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedic text. The Vedic text is like, what, 4,000 years old or something? Uh, we have the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls, all these things. But even when they started writing down, man was writing down in the form of stories because that's how we think. And now, there's, there's um, we don't think of things as, as literally like that. There's very two, two reasons for this. And one is that it is more effective as a story. And second is that it lasts longer. So it'll go from generation to generation if it is a story told in the format of a story. So for you people that are new to unity or fairly new, this brings me to an interesting point about unity. We do not interpret the Bible literally. This is a big distinction between we do use the Bible, but we don't interpret it literally for this very reason. Because we believe that it, it is really a story. It makes more sense as a story. Now, during listening to different podcasts and stuff, I came across someone saying, and I suppose it is true, that it's a given, pretty much, that the Hebrew scholars from the Old Testament understand that the Old Testament was written as a story. It's not intended to be taken literally. So where do we in the West get these ideas of literally interpreting the Bible? Even they know that it's not supposed to be taken that way. So, and what happens as a result of this? Well, we get all these things like people believing that Jonah was literally in a well for three days. Really? Literally? Three days in a well? And he's, you know, maybe there's a story there. Let me show you, let me give you an example that's more relatable. The hare and the tortoise. Did that story actually, is that a literal story? Was there actually a story about a hare racing a tortoise? No, probably not. Maybe, who knows? But, but that's not the point. That is not the point. The point is that it's trying to teach us a story, a lesson that perseverance can overcome odds. So that's the story. Now, if we were focused on this race and who won and what sneakers they were wearing, we would kind of lose the point. So that brings us about, about the, the fascinating thing about man as a storyteller. So I want to uh, finish with something that's very interesting. I want you to look at the, uh, at the, at the front of the, of the uh, flyer. What is man? What is that? Look at that angel with chains. That's very interesting. 
Because you know who put those chains there? We did. We put the chains there ourselves. How does this work? How does this work if we're created in God's image and likeness that we are shackled by chains? How does this work? Well, most traditions and stuff, they don't know how to explain these things. Not really. But in Unity New Thought, we say, because we put them there ourselves. How do we put them there ourselves? Because we believed in fear. Because we believed in lack. Because we believed in limitation. Because we got sucked into this idea that we are limited and we forgot who we are, we are angels in chains for that simple reason. The rock band of Eagles in that song called Already Gone, have you caught the lyrics on that thing? It says, sometimes we live our life in chains and never knew we had the keys. Thank you, the Eagles, for that brilliant wisdom. I am serious. That's what we teach here, that we limit ourselves. And guess what? Because we believed in this limitation, we shackled ourselves. And, but we can unshackle ourselves by not believing in those things anymore, by realizing who we truly are. And what does it say that we are? Ye are gods. Psalms says this. Ye are gods. And all of you, all of you, the Muslims too, the Buddhists too, you are all children of God, of the Most High. So I, I want to leave you with this idea today. Go forth and act accordingly. Amen.